Branding Badass, and welcome to Season 2 of Branding Matters. My guest today is Jason Stang, one of Calgary's, if not Canada's, most talented and celebrated photographers. Frequently roaming between Calgary and New York, Jason has done award-winning work for MTV, Sony Music Entertainment, The New York Times Magazine, and Tommy Boy, just to name a few. I invited Jason to be a guest on my show to talk about the role photography plays in branding. I wanted to learn how he always manages to deliver what the client wants in a unique and visually stunning way. And I was really curious to get his point of view on what role photos play in the development of a brand story. Jason, thank you so much for being here with me today. Welcome to Branding Matters. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. I have not talked to you in a long time and looking forward to catching up. I know. I'm really happy to have you here today. I just want to give our audience a little bit of a background because it is kind of cool. So you and I know each other for, I was trying to think, probably 30 years ago when I was working in the advertising world, the first company, well, actually not the first company. I think where you and I worked together was probably when I was either at Caro or at Ogilvy and Mather, one of those two. And you were Which one were you at first? I was at Caro first and you were the man around town when anyone needed a top photographer, Jason Stang. That was the name that everybody knew. That's how I yeah. got to know you. And then when I went over to Ogilvy, we did some pretty big campaigns over there and we worked with yeah. you there and here we are. And then we lost touch like millions of people. And then 30 something years later, you get a message from me pop up in your, <laughs> your account. And the reason I reached out to you, not just because I want to talk about specifically about photography, but there's a really important campaign going on right now in Calgary not Alberta called own and it's all about own cancer and I was really interested in that and then I found out when I found out you were the photographer on it and I love the photography I just had to reach out to you so thank you for agreeing to be on my podcast I know you were a little bit I don't know if nervous is the right word but I don't know do you do a lot of podcasts no none None. Oh, well, then I'm I, even I more. Was... And then I'm even more. I'm really, honestly, Jason, I'm really touched and flattered and honored that you said yes. So let's get right into it. I want to know when was the moment that you knew that you could not do anything else in your life other than photography? That was dictated by a lack of ability in math. <laughs> I always really wanted to be in marketing and advertising, and that whole industry was something that spoke to me. Back in the day, you did not really have much of a way of finding out much about that industry. You basically said, okay, I'm going to go to university, and hopefully I can end up in marketing. I'm going to get a degree, a commerce degree in marketing. That's how I'm going to get in advertising. So I was in marketing. I was taking commerce at the University of Calgary, and I was doing reasonably well in the classes that I cared about and really classes like the weeder classes like calculus and stuff like that I was bombing spectacularly and at the same time parallel to this I had a dark room at home and I was very much into photography and I was working at a camera store to pay my bills and I just had a sort of an epiphany weekend where I said screw it I'm not getting into marketing via BCom because I just won't be able to do it I can't stand it so I went and I enrolled in art school decided I was going to become a photographer not really understanding that that is actually probably what I wanted to be all along which was working on the creative side of ad work and it sort of was is the natural spot to be. So it was never really a decision as much as it was a stumble. Well, it's funny that you say that though, but then you said you had a dark room at home and I don't think everybody has a dark room at home. So clearly it must have been a passion. No, arts was. And that's even in my brain, I was like, okay, how can I commercially apply my artistic abilities and use my creative skills to find a career? And this is pre-internet. So a lot of that was just guesswork. You really didn't know where those jobs were or how you got to them. The dark room was a passion and thank God for my art marks because I think that's what kept me from getting 
getting kicked out of university. So it was sort of preordained. So photography, though, was always in your wheelhouse as far as when you were a kid. Yeah, I mean, I read uh, I read in your bio where you joked about in the womb. So I was going to ask you about I that. Was, I think I've always sort of naturally gravitated towards... My mom's comes from a family of artists. There's always been art in my family. You know, I was also attracted, I think, to just the electronics and the interest of, a, of an SLR camera and the buttons and all that sort of stuff. When I was like five, I was always the one who wanted to take the camera and take the photos on road trips and stuff with my family. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, but I would point and shoot and click the button and think I was pretty good. So at five, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Through in high school and high school, you're taking art classes and photography was one of the ones I really, you know, that component of the art classes was probably my favorite. So it just sort of grew from there and started building a dark room and I learned more and I read books and sort of ended up there. Wow, that's so, amazing. So I read yeah. a quote I read a quote somewhere where you said photography for me is more about creating the opportunity for the decisive moment to occur. I think that's a really interesting quote. Can you elaborate on that? Well, it's sort of a play on the whole decisive moment. You know, Robert Dawson knows sort of ethos of photography where they always talk about the decisive moment and just being really ready to capture that fraction of a second when everything just falls into place. And that isn't really what I do. I build, I create. Sometimes it's building the set. Sometimes it's finding the location. All those things are, they're a bigger part than the actual pushing of the shutter. The shutter is sort of a culmination to me. It's not really the end. It's just part of the process. Right. And when you're an artist and you're creating a piece of work, the creativity happens in your mind and in your heart and in your head, right? And then the paintbrush just is a way for you to execute that. Is that kind of the, the yeah, same thing? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's, yeah, it's the pencil, right? Or part of the pencil. Whereas the guys that talk like the decisive moment, they're much more about capturing, being at the event, capturing that and finding the moment at the event. I tend to build the event and then make that moment happen. It's probably a little bit of the difference between art photography and ad photography. Right. So. Okay. Interesting. And so would you say you're an ad photographer? I mean, you specialize in brands, right? That's where your specialty is not personal. I mean, you don't do, do you I, do personal branding or is it mostly just corporate? Oh yeah. I, I don't think there's a photographer live who doesn't do a bit of everything. If you're truly a photographer, that becomes your soul. Like I don't go anywhere without a bag of cameras and, you know, I might not use them. I might need a break, but generally you're always seeing photos. Right. So, so I got to tell you a funny story. Back, this is going to show my age now, but quite a few years ago when I had a Blackberry and my sister got one of the new Blackberries and it had a camera on it. And she yeah. was like, Julie, I got this new Blackberry. You got to see it. It's got a camera. And I remember at the time, and I can't remember, I can't tell what year it was, but I was like, who the hell needs a camera on a phone? I mean, I have a camera and I have my phone. Why would I ever want one? And now yeah. can't even imagine not having their camera on their phone. So what's your take on taking pictures with your phone? And do you use your phone to take a lot of pictures? I do. A lot. I don't take pretty pictures with my phone. Not often anyway. I think mostly because I'm just a bit of a snob still that way. But <laughs> the reality is, is camera phones are quite good. And yeah. there's a lot of things they can do very well. Most people never look at an image anymore other than electronically. And you don't need the same sort of resolution. So the camera phones are fantastic especially the latest ones. Every time I see one, I'm like, yeah, that's a few more jobs I won't be getting. <laughs> so. Well, that was going to be my next question is, do you think with the introduction of the camera phone, especially, you know, the iPhone, and now I think it's the iPhone what, 13, has that affected you as a professional photographer? It has. And I mean, 
Because everybody thinks they're a professional photographer now, right? (laughs) Well, that part, I don't think it hurts me too much because it gets back to what I say. I I build my photos for the most part. I'm building lights. I'm building sets. I'm doing all this sort of stuff. That part is still really tough. The camera doesn't really matter so much. Any good camera will do. But what happens is, is the stuff that I used to get phone calls for, like, hey, can you come shoot this giant check being presented to somebody or whatever? I don't get those calls anymore. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, (laughs) I bet. Those are... Typically, when you're doing those, you're doing it because it's a client that you've worked a, a lot of work for. And you're like, okay, I'll do this for you because either you don't want to open the door for another photographer or you're just doing it as a favor no matter what. I don't miss those. There's no real joy for me in taking those. So I'm glad to let that stuff go away. Interesting. Okay, so let's talk about branding because we are. this show is called Branding Matters and that's why I brought you on here. So what role do you think photos play when it helps brands to tell their story? I think it's everything. Photos are far more effective than words. I hate to say that to somebody who is a writer, um, but people assume words can lie. People don't necessarily assume photos can lie. So when you're showing a photo of whatever it is you have, they tend to look at it and go, oh yeah, I see that. Photos speak truth. Completely a bullshit response because they don't speak truth, but people perceive they speak truth. When you say they don't speak truth, are you referring to because of all the Photoshop and all the filters and everything else? Well, that's part of it. Even back before all that, photos were never truth. I mean, you made decisions. You didn't make as many decisions back then, you know, but we still had to pick the film we used, the time of day we shot, how long the exposures were. All those things contributed to making things look better than they were, or even the lens selection or what we frame. You know, you can exclude a lot of things and just focus on the good things. And if you're working for a mining company, well, if you just point the camera at the right direction or you put the right stuff in the foreground, you can say a lot of things without really saying them. You don't have to actually say them. You're just lying by omission sometimes. You know, you can leave stuff out and you can selectively show things. And it's it's a way of controlling the narrative. The goal of all branding is controlling the narrative. Yeah, that's so true. And I mean, it's cliche to say picture says a thousand words, but I mean, it's true. And never more so probably than it is with social media, right? Because people's attention span right now are like milliseconds. Yeah, that's exactly it. Our attention span to read the words. I guarantee you for every photo that's looked at at Instagram, or there's a thousand photos looked at for every one that somebody reads the caption on. So yeah, visuals are very much part of our lexicon now. Speaking of social media, how has your business changed with social media? Purely at a work level, the amount of work I produce is substantially higher because of social and the demands for more imagery and the demands for more photographs just go up exponentially. And there's a shift. If I had to photograph a vodka bottle for a vodka company 20 years ago, that was a day. You took a day, you lit the vodka bottle, you made it perfect, you did everything. You would probably select half a dozen different vodka bottles to get the perfect label And all these sort of things, it was a full process. With social, that doesn't happen anymore. The demand for imagery is so high and the currency of value of those images is dropped substantially. You need to produce more because they need more and they can't really pay more. They're not going to pay you to spend a day shooting a vodka bottle anymore. You can shoot 50 in a day or 20 or 10, but there's that balance now of what they get for what they pay for. There's a lot more library work. People just need assets. Hmm. Interesting. So what about stock photography? It has a place. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I made a fair bit of money off stock photography. It's sort of a race to the bottom now in that industry because there's so many, there's so much being produced. When I started doing that as a side hustle, I guess, to photography, the barriers to entry were fairly high. A good camera was 10 grand, 15 grand. Now you can shoot stock photography with your iPhone. There's companies that specialize in iPhone stock photography. So it has a place. A lot of companies now, there's so many small companies. There's so many companies that need imagery 
and so much demand for it that they can't pay for photo shoots. So, I mean, stock is a great option for areas where you can't afford to do otherwise. You just have to be very selective when you use it because it's sort of just filler for the most part. You can find stuff that sort of mimics your brand or mimics your image, but generally, no, it's, it's a little bit of a substitute. So is budget, the reason usually people go with stock is because it's a lot less expensive? Substantially less expensive. Speed, you can have it that day. Yeah. You can have it right away. You don't have to organize. You don't have to do a lot of things like that. The cost per image is down to dollars, not hundreds or pennies even sometimes. You know, you should be using that when you need an image to fulfill a certain objective and you can't afford to get it produced. And it's not going to matter. It's not going to be something that's brand defining or anything like that. It's just, oh, look, you can pay online. Here's a photo of somebody paying online or whatever it is you can do. A lot of stock right now is people buying mask photos to show mask mandates and stuff like that. You don't want to go shoot that. Not if you're a small company. It's just too much effort. It's too much money and it's not worth it. Now, conversely, if it's something that's fundamental to your brand, you should definitely look at investing in actual photography for those things. And why would you photography? say that? Well, because you're trying to define your brand and most stock today is royalty-free, meaning it could appear anywhere. The image you picked to push your brand could also be the image to push whatever. I point to one photo I took years ago, and as a friend of mine, it was an actual stock photo shoot that I had done for an agency years ago. And that photo, I think it's been downloaded 15, 20,000 times. It's made me a fair bit of money. So you make money that, every time it gets downloaded? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, great. Depending, okay. on, depending on the site you're on and stuff, that image took off. And if you saw it, you'd probably recognize it. At one point, it was one of the top selling images on iStock. And we kept a running tally of where it appeared. And it would appear on ads for dentists. But the best one was charcoal underwear for women who are, <laughs> who, who are flatulent when they fly. And it was a filtering. And I mean, that oh could my be the God. same photo. So imagine using that as your branding photo. And, <laughs> and it's the cool. same photo appearing for charcoal yeah. underwear. Well, you know, it's interesting you said because that's exactly what I was thinking. I've seen that. I've gone on to websites, believe it or not. This is what really blew me away. I was on a website where I saw a stock photo for this brand and I saw that photo somewhere else. And I remember thinking like, where else did I see that photo? And I went back and I found it. In my opinion, I think it really dilutes the brand. And when you see the same image throughout, like you just said, then that sort of, in my opinion, not only dilutes the brand, but it loses that sort of uniqueness, yeah. right? And that's sort of what I get back to is I mean, if it's a brand defining image, the last thing you want to use is stock. There's a lot of reasons to use stock, but if it's a brand defining, like I said, that image has been downloaded 16,000 times. Imagine where that has been. There's cases, I remember somebody sent me a photo of two different ads using the same stock photo face-to-face -face in a newspaper. I mean, yeah, <laughs> terrible. Like, no, for sure. I mean, I'm glad you made money off it, but. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll sell that. I'm a little bit of a whore that way. I will sell that image anyway. <laughs> So. Wow, that's crazy. So talking about that, I'm curious, you know, a lot of big part about branding is about connecting your brand with the audience, right? Is how do you make that mm -hmm. connection? And especially now we talked about social media as being able to connect. So what role do photos play and how do you as a photographer help the brand connect through the pictures with their audience? Well, the big thing is, is so many businesses today are an extension of their owners. You know, there's a lot of small one, two, three person shops that are people trying to break out and establish something. And because you're an extension of the owners, they should be able to bring their personality into it. Whenever somebody asks me to shoot or play a part in that or consult or whatever it is, that's the first thing I look to is I look to, okay, what is the aesthetic of the brand? 
And it doesn't have to be first and foremost every time, but it has to be recognized. And you have to understand, can't go too far out of your lane because sort of how people identify. If you stray too far, you're not telling people who you are. So you have to sort of stay in your lane and make sure your imagery sort of reflects who you are, whether it's what type of lighting you use, what type of models, whether it's bright and airy. I mean, if you're a lifestyle clothing brand, you want to make sure you're true to who your wearers are. If they're skateboarders, you want to be cognizant of that culture when you're shooting it. All those things, you want to see them reflected in your photos. It's an art form, right? I mean, art is about tapping into you on an emotional level. When you look at art, you tell your mom's an artist. I come from a family of artists too. And art, I mean, it's very subjective, but it's also very emotional. I don't know if I ever told you this. My dad was, uh, photography was his hobby and his passion. I mean, I think if he were to redo his whole career, he'd probably be a photographer. I was one of those kids that grew up where everything he did, he wanted to take pictures. And it was so annoying, but then we have pictures now of us all growing up, which is amazing. But anyway, but it was was a very emotional emotional like you look at his pictures and you look at your pictures and I think own is actually a really good example of that where it really taps into your emotion I mean that's a big part of branding is trying to connect on an emotional level and I think with photography trying to do that I suspect is a real skill. It's not just snapping, like you said, it's getting deeper than that. So let's use the own campaign because I think that's very relevant and it's a very topical and it's beautiful. So let's talk about those pictures that you did. How were you able to, I mean, it's an emotional subject to begin with, but I'm curious to know how you were able to connect with the audience, help the brand, help the own campaign really connect with their audience with your pictures. Own was an interesting one because it's one of those ones you're like, yeah, I want to be part of this. It's not one of those jobs where you're like, what's the final pay? There was no pay. We should probably explain. Can you give a little briefing of what exactly Own Campaign is? Own was put out by Daughter Creative, one of the smaller shops in Calgary that does some fantastic work. They've got some really talented people there. They were tasked with branding the new cancer center in Calgary. They didn't want to show a building. They wanted to show people. They wanted to show stories. And they wanted to make it so we could all relate to it. And... It was a really interesting set in that we were shooting the video at the same time we were shooting the stills. And you had a lot of cancer survivors there. You had a lot of people and you really felt the necessity to sort of do the story right. You didn't want a lot of hyperbole. You wanted to show how strong these people were, but they also didn't want to show these people, quote unquote, beating cancer. They wanted to show all of us beating cancer. And it's a little bit of a different thing because when you think of people beating cancer, you think of people, oh, it's like some people don't beat cancer. It means they lost. And that's not really the premise. The premise is is as a collective, we're going to beat cancer. And OWN was about getting to some fundraising for the Cancer Center because it is a crazy world-class facility. And we are really lucky to have it in our city limits and we need to support it. It is an important part globally of the fight against cancer and we should be proud of it. And it's one of those things where you got to just, I don't know how to say this. It's a very emotional topic. You know, I've been affected by cancer and my dad died of cancer. So I'm very much affected by it. And I know people that have died and are struggling with it. When you talk about branding, it's really important to connect with your audience on an emotional level. And I think through photography, it's really important and challenging thing to do is to be able to connect in that way. And I think that campaign, you did a really good job of doing that. And so I was just curious to get your point on how you were able to do that. What we were trying to do with that campaign is we were trying to show strength. We weren't trying to show anybody as particularly vulnerable or even particularly strong. We just wanted to show the people that are in the war and their stories and uplifting stories. You know, Jim Button is a fantastic story. That is a guy who's embraced everything. And he lives life to the fullest. You just want to capture the spirit of those people and what they've gone through. You don't want to necessarily portray them as something above and beyond 
normal. It's something that we're all part of. It's affecting everybody. You just want to give them their moment. So it wasn't about pitying people. It wasn't, you weren't, it wasn't wasn't about trying to pity people. It was about trying to tell their story. And conversely, the other way, it was not about elevating them either. They've gone through the battle or they're going through the battle or they know somebody who's gone through the battle. I think it's more about showing that they're all of us and they're part of us. And yeah, it's left some scars and it's left some hope and it's left some sadness and it's left awake. And, you know, it was about showing that without glamorizing it. So you just wanted these people to just be them. And it was very isolated and very strong, somewhat heroic, but not, it was a really balancing act. We didn't want to make them look like they're some sort of badass superhero cancer fighters, right? <laughs> because they're, they're people and we're all people. And they just wanted to make it seem full spectrum that it covered everybody. It affects everybody. Everybody gets it. Everybody fights it. The only way we beat it is as a group, as a collective. Mm-hmm. Well, I think so. the pictures portray that. They're very simple. And everything you just said was completely personified in the photography. Just FYI. Well, thank you. So, that, that's what we wanted. Those were a little bit of a, you know, one of those images where you're like, yeah, I really want this to be a certain way. And I really want this to have that feel to it. And on the day, everybody was fantastic. All the people appearing in it, whether it was researchers, whether it was people in the battle, people who've gone through the battle, everybody, they were all just, there's just a positivity and a, and a healthiness about the whole thing that was really quite organic and felt really nice. Mm-hmm. Well, you should so. be very proud. Okay, I'm going to switch topics here. And I want to talk about COVID because I'd be remiss not to. COVID. How would you what say... Yeah, right. Jason, I mean, how has COVID affected your business specifically? I mean, especially when you would do all your photo shoots, obviously, you'd have to go on location, I guess is what you call it. So how has COVID affected yeah, you? I want to use the word pivot here so badly, because everybody talked about pivoting. pivot. What's that? I've, I've never heard that before. <laughs> I, I, I did not really have to pivot. It was weird. Like I literally thought the sky was falling. You and everybody March, else. When everything, when everything yeah. was starting to shut down and I was, I don't know, scrubbing my groceries. I wasn't sure that I didn't know what it would be. And then within a week, the phone was ringing and I had a bunch of companies just trying to shoot their COVID response photos, like how we're standing with business and how we're doing this or doing that. So I was somewhat busy out of the gate, probably for the first wow. couple of months, which shocked me entirely. I had no expectation of that. I thought it was just, like I said, the sky was falling and I would just be on a really long holiday. So even in Um, lockdown? Well, yeah. We won't say who the brand is. (laughs) Well, it was funny because, I mean, okay, there's two stories there. There was one, I got a call from an agency in Toronto, you know, after about a thousand NDAs, they sent out a brief on what I was shooting. And I also got a similar call from a client here and their competitors, I should say that. Competitor of the company in to Toronto. each other. It was an agency in Toronto. It was a company in Calgary who happened to compete with each other. They both sent me briefs that were virtually identical to the point where I was getting the jobs confused. But everybody wanted to just show that they were supportive, and especially if you're a company that deals with small business and stuff, they want to say, you know, we got your back. So I had a lot of work for the first few months for different companies shooting that sort of stuff. That was sort of how it started. As it progressed, summer is usually sort of a busy time for me in terms of corporate work where I'm doing a lot of asset photography and I'm out in the field for various companies. That stuff plummeted because nobody was going out in the field. There's no shooting. So that summer was really a lot of cabin time, which was fantastic. You know, and then it sort of just petered back and forth. You'd get these crazy requests like, okay, we want to shoot portraits, but we need you to shoot them from your car as you drive by. And Are you kidding? Distance. Oh, no. There was a quote for a job like that. It's like, okay, the photographer will stay in the vehicle and shoot out the window. And I'm like, no, I won't. It's <laughs> not going to happen. Oh, my God. So you turn those down. Uh, well, you just, no, I, I actually ended yeah. up doing the job. But I'm not shooting, rolling down a window and shooting. I'll you know, throw it in park and fire off a couple of shots. It's not wow. going to happen. 
Yeah. You just follow protocol. And the nice thing is, is you just shoot with a longer lens and you can stand back a little further. It's not a occupation where I have to be in tight. I can literally shoot somebody from a block away if I choose to. Most of the issues with COVID for me became shooting stuff in studio. How many people could you have in the studio? Hair and makeup was a huge, if things required hair and makeup, that was always a stumbling block. So you're like, okay, well, we're not doing hair and makeup on this job or we'll get the talent to do their own hair and stuff like that. Projects where I probably only did 30% of what I would have done in a good year, but that's fine. (laughs) So do you think it's changed the industry and moving forward? I mean, what do you see being done differently or do you see things being done differently now? A little bit. I think there's a little bit of more the pop of what usually goes around with what I do is sort of faded. Like, you know, if I was shooting something in the studio, there's always half a dozen people just lingering around, usually not even paying attention, usually on their laptops, but just creating billable hours, I guess. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure what they're doing most of the yeah. time. That doesn't happen anymore. It tends to be me and art director. And I like that. It's a little more direct and it's a little less dog and pony show, which I think is the end of the day, just doesn't really change the end result, just mm-hmm. changes the path to get there. I don't mind missing. I'm not a dog and pony show kind of guy. So I don't mind missing that part of it. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? I'm a introverted extrovert. Me too. Yeah. I love going out. I love seeing people. I love being out, but I'm as happy as a clam to be alone and and work and create or do whatever it is I want to do. I I like a balance, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. It's funny. I describe myself as a people don't believe me. I'm like, no, I, I, you know, I can go out and socialize and be with people, but to recharge, I need to be by myself. I love my alone time. I don't get enough of it and I covet it and I love it. So I told you kids, you never get enough of it. Right. (laughs) We both have (laughs) yours are older than mine, but exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. So let me ask you a question. When you're out or when you're online or anywhere and you see other ads or photos, do you look at it with an eye like, oh, I love this photo, but I would change this. And do you have this inner critique that is always around you? Constantly. And, you know, certain things, I don't have expectations of certain ads and certain photos. I'm like, those just go right over me. But if somebody's put some effort into it, and I'll look at it critically, of course. My favorite is when it comes up to jobs that you quoted on that might not have gotten. And then you see the execution. You're like, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, a lot of times I think they've done a great job. A lot of times it's like, yeah, you fumbled there. I would have done that differently. But I like to think I'm realistic when I do that. I'm not the only person in the world that knows how to take pictures. So I like seeing how other people solve the problem as well. Right. But I mean, I have no doubt that you can't just look at a picture being objective just because that's no, who you are. I don't know. Yeah. It's tough to just purely enjoy a photo for a photo's sake. Yeah. But I probably, that said, I probably get more excited over photos than most people too. I do it all the time as if I see an ad or something where I'm like, oh, that's a great photo. I will screenshot that just because I like having it. I don't know why. I might go back and revisit it six months from now or when I'm cleaning out a folder on my desktop or something. But generally, I see something like, oh, I don't want to forget about that. I will take a shot of it. So that's great. For no other reason than I just like it. Do you have any photographers that you look up to? Yeah, various ones for various reasons. Can you Uh, share a couple? (laughs) The one who I probably have the most time for and the most respect for is a man named Dan Winters, which is interesting because our lives have sort of intersected a few times over the, the last 30 years. And I've gotten to know him reasonably well now. He's just found his path, path I would like to be on, or I try and emulate, I guess is the way to put it, where it's a mix of work that is broad enough based and he explores his passions with his work, but he's capable of making some just stunning imagery. And he's just one of those guys that's very honest to himself. He doesn't really 
go outside his lane too much, I can tell one of his photos within seconds of looking at it. Oh, really? So, Where does he live? Yeah, Austin, Texas. Oh, okay. So his brand is very recognizable. That's what I was going to ask. That was my thing I was going to ask you too. So do you think that you've created a brand for yourself where people can look and say, oh, that's a Jason Stang? People tell me that all the time. People go, yeah, like, I could tell right away that was yours. I get that quite often. And I'm like, yeah, I, I think so. I don't know. My thing is, is yeah, when I do it the way I want to do it, yeah, I would say that. Keep in mind, I am an advertising photographer. So it's a little bit of being a chameleon. I'm not always satisfying my visual. I'm, I'm right. often satisfying the client's visual. You might have your influences, but a lot of times it's dictated by what the brief says. Right. So, and what their vision is. So what would you say yeah. your brand is, actually? I'm curious. What do you think people say <laughs> about Jason Stang photography? My personal brand I think might be a little bit of a different narrative. And I think that's actually a, more of a constantly evolving thing. But the the brand I like to carry through in the industry is I like people to think, you know what, he solves my problem, you know, more so than anything, whatever visual style I use to solve it or visual execution I use to solve it. I want to just be known as that guy that people walk away and go, that was a great experience. From a branding standpoint, I like to be on the tip of the tongue of art directors and creative people. And I want to be the guy they go, you know what, he's the guy that will understand what we need and he will deliver it and he'll deliver it in a way that makes us super happy. That's really what it comes down to. I, mean, I don't want them to go, the work was excellent, but he's an asshole. Right. I mean, there's no question that you're super talented, you're award-winning, you have done tons of great campaigns. But that's the other thing too, is you're actually a really down-to-earth, easygoing person and great to work with. And so the, I think that's your brand and that means a lot because people want to work with someone professional who they can also actually like. So you you yeah. kind of hit all that. If I'm a business and I'm a small business owner and I'm looking for a photographer to take some pictures of a campaign I'm doing, what are some things I should look for? Just my number. No, I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of the easy answer. Well, first of all, I think you really have to assess your needs. People go, we need photography. Well, what do you need photography of? You know, you have to really understand what you need and what you hope to get by hiring a photographer. And that I think will dictate a lot of it because if you're looking for just lifestyle stuff and stuff that reinforces your brand, if your brand is, let's go back to a skateboard company or a surf company or something like that, but you feel that you need images of kids with surfboards in Volkswagen vans on the beach at Tofino, that's a different photographer than hiring somebody who's going to shoot your stuff on a model in a studio. Not necessarily a different photographer, but it's definitely a different execution. So if you're hiring that guy for the beach, well, then you look for people that do that. You look through Instagram or you find them wherever, and you go from there. That stuff gets expensive to produce. And maybe that's one of those places where you look for stock, or you find somebody on Instagram who has that type of imagery and you offer to buy it from. There's ways to get that without necessarily investing the money and getting it. Conversely, if you're shooting your product, that's a whole different thing. And that's somebody who can work in a studio, work quickly, work efficiently, and maximize your expenditure for that day. The big thing about, I find often when I get calls for companies to shoot for them for a day, I'm not cheap. And but I you're easy. No. <laughs> yes. That was 30 years ago. Sorry. No, but you want to maximize your day. So I, I don't want to waste anybody's time or money. I want them to get the most out of what they're spending their money on. And so you want to get a clear and concise idea of what you need and what you want to have at the end of the day in terms of assets. If you're photographing your product, well, how do you want to photograph? So that will determine who you hire. And it should. If you find somebody specialized in studio, you're going to get a lot more out of a day than you will if you're hiring somebody who's a lifestyle photographer and shoots on beaches. They can probably do that. They might not do it as quickly and efficiently if they're going into a studio. If they know how to work a camera and lights and stuff, they're going to be able to do it in both situations. But you really have to assess what you need, first of all. 
And then look at Instagram, get referrals, talk to people, look at websites. Do you think that it's valuable to really hone in and create a niche? Like, you know, this is a wedding photographer, or this is a advertising photographer, or this is a boudoir photographer. I mean, what's your take on creating that niche and fine tuning your brand as a photographer to making sure people know if they want a photographer for, like I said, a wedding, they know to go to this guy. You're the go-to for that particular niche. I think it's somewhat defined by the market. You know, I'm Calgary based. So in order to basically put bread on the table in Calgary, you have to have a multitude of skills. I can say I'm an ad photographer and I'm a corporate photographer. Those are pretty all encompassing terms. If I go to New York and I say I'm an ad photographer, well, what kind of ad photographer? Do you do food? Do you do food inside? Do you do only fish? Like literally it could be that precise and that sort of focus. Is there photographers that are just like fish photographers? If you need a good fish photographer, call Sal. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not quite. Does get that specialized. Guys who specialize in purely just in makeup and shooting lipstick and, or there's guys who specialize in dropping things, photographing stuff as it falls through a frame. Like there's guys that just have the very, very specific niche. Wow. Which is easier to do now because you can work globally. I mean, you could send your work anywhere. If you're going to work in an industry, a city like Calgary, and you want to work with actual humans and not on the phone, you have to be able to do a little bit more and show that. I used to teach a class at ACAD, a portfolio development class, and I would tell the students, where are you going to show this book? Where are you going to show your portfolio? And that was obviously just electronically show your book or actually, you know, in a hard copy, show your portfolio. Because that will determine if you go into New York and you're going to show it there. Well, you're not going to show a whole broad based variety of things because you're not going to get hired. If you've got one image that strikes a chord with the art director with what they're after. Well, there's also going to be a guy in New York that has a whole book of images like that. So he's going to get that job. Whereas in Calgary, if you're local, it only takes one or two images sometimes to be the only guy that does that in the city. There's not as many photographers to choose from. So you have to be a little broader base. But if you took that broad-based approach to a city like New York or even Toronto to a degree, London for sure, if you took that book there, you'd never get work because Mm. it's too broad-based. Nobody can really say, oh, this is the guy to go to for that. In Calgary, I have the ability to say, okay, I'm an ad photographer. What does that mean? I mean, my ads could be anything from a person jogging in a park or hiking a mountain, or it could be a still life on a table. Like it's very broad-based. So you talk about all these different campaigns. I have to ask, can you tell us about the mermaid in the tub picture? (laughs) And what was that all about? (laughs) That was a really fun campaign. And that was for BrokerLink Insurance. And they wanted to really show a campaign that said, no matter what happens, they got you covered. And so the whole campaign was built around mythical creatures messing up your shit. So it started off, you know, we had basically, I think we had nine or 10 executions they wanted to put out. And it was like, oh, what if you had a mermaid that was living in your bathtub and flooded your bathroom? What if you had a Sasquatch who wanted a bowl of Fruit Loops and, and destroyed your kitchen in the process? These are all things that, in theory, if these happened to you, you would be, be covered by Broken Link Insurance. And, you know, that was sort of the point of it. So they came up to me with these sort of wild ideas. And it's like, okay, execute these. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. <laughs> the first image we did was actually was the mermaid in the bathtub. It's, it's all problem solving. Like I said, it gets back to creating the decisive moment because the, you know, we built the set, we built a fake bathroom. We built a fake bathroom inside of a, basically an eight foot by 10 foot lined sandbox. So we could flood it. So we built the set, got all the props, got all that stuff. We did have to photograph the model separate in the bathtub because first of all, we needed warm water in the tub. So we weren't killing our poor model. And secondly, we then we needed to flood the room and we weren't going to flood it with hot water. That was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of gallons of water. 
So once we had that shot, then we kept the camera locked down and we shot the bathroom where we floated everything. And it was pieced together from about three or four shots. Her tail in that shot was a milkfish, a Malaysian milkfish that I bought at TNT supermarket and then uh, wrapped around a wine bottle and froze. So oh my God. Nice curvature to it. That's you know, amazing. That's that. a beautiful picture. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. it was a lot of fun, that project. The whole thing from start to finish. It was such an exercise in problem solving. There's just one thing after the next, where the Sasquatch came from, where the Sasquatch suit came from. It was a healthy budget. It wasn't an unlimited budget. So we had to really think and come up with ways to solve it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was exciting. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that's so. great. Well, mm-hmm. sounds fun. And like I said, I saw the picture and I had to ask you about it. Well, Jason, yeah. thank you so much for all your amazing information and insight. Obviously, you're extremely passionate about photography. And like I said, I can't say enough good things about your work. So if someone wants to learn more about you, what's the best way for them? Are you on social media at all? I am. That's a great way to learn about me. I, I've <laughs> gone through all this branding exercise. I'm like, right. Yeah, my, my Instagram is not pretty, but it's okay. I don't have a lot of time and I get finicky about what I post. So so what's uh, the best way for someone to get a hold of you? Instagram is stanger68, which is my year of birth, if you want to do the math. You're uh, younger than me. Am I really? I'm yeah, older than everybody I interview practically. That is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, anyway. You've obviously made it. You struck a deal with the devil somewhere <laughs> well anyway sorry Um, so how else my website says if you just go to stangphotography.com that's sort of okay yeah between those two you can find me and find work and stuff like that and stang photography probably has a little bit more insight into who i am and and the work i do okay cool well thank you again and congrats on all your amazing work and especially like i said the own campaign thanks for sharing that information and you donated your time for that right that was all everything was by donation yeah Amazing. Yeah, All right. Well, good. nice well, to see you. Thanks for being here. It's very nice being here. It was very nice to touch base again. Well, thanks again. And we will definitely stay in touch. Bye. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and maybe learned a few things to help you with your branding. But most of all, I hope you had some fun. This show is a work in progress, so please remember to rate and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you want to learn more about me and what I do to help my clients with their branding, feel free to reach out to me on any of the social channels under, you guessed it, Branding Badass. Branding Matters was produced, edited, and hosted by Jolie Goodson, also me. So thanks again, and until next time, here's to all you badasses out there.